Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the soapily beautific hills of Encino, California, where industry and nature work hand in hand to create a better life for all of us. The following program is produced by Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network. True crime uncensored. It's a gorgeous day in the neighborhood. I am still the legendary Burl Bear. The man in the lawyer chair, Don Waldman. I don't even understand your openings. <laughs> Neither do I. And we're going to visit Oklahoma for a medical examiner office run by Boris Karloff. <laughs> yeah. I wanted Lori Downey Jr. to come in and sing, If you're going to Garvin County, oh you may come home in a body bag. That's what they said to Susan Murphy Milano. Susan, were you scared when they told you that? Oh, no. I had your back. You had mine when I was down there. I was okay. Yeah. They were, you really did. You, there wasn't like a threat that if you went down to Garvin County, you may not come back all in one piece. And, and then you know I wouldn't have been autopsied properly. Where the <laughs> hell is Garvin County? Garvin County is about 35 miles outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it is one of the most desolate places I have ever seen. No wonder. Um, it sounds like a black and white movie. No, you know what? In all fairness, wait, no, wait, no, I know it. But in all fairness to the people, the residents that live there, you know, it, it is a good community filled with good people. You just have, you know, Amos and Andy for sheriffs. And, it, you know, except for last Wednesday when uh, Mr. Amos or Andy got out of office. But you've got three families out of probably 40 whose death certificates have been stamped like cattle, whose you know, justice has not been served, and and so you have to wonder if you know what other cases that they've done. Well, let's you give know, a little, little background here for our loyal listening audience that's sitting around in their collective computers, biting their nails and warming, or, uh, or pulling out their hair like you might do. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, Chandra Turner. Now, there's a name. Chandra. Chandra. Uh, Sheila Davini. Tom Horton. These are all well, people who are deceased, correct? Well, why don't we start with the Turner case? She, yes, let's. July 12, 2000. What happened with her was she was leaving. You know how, Don, we talk about this. We're preparing to leave. You know, you have to have an exit strategy. She's packing up her stuff. She's A law firm is paying for her to go to paralegal school. She's a bright, young 23-year-old. She goes back in the home to gather some more things. And there's, there's a fight that breaks out. There is, she is shot. Now, she's not shot with a life-threatening injury. She is shot where she could be saved. She has 35 minutes. They could take her to the hospital. 35 minutes. Instead, this piece of garbage that, that murdered her, in my opinion, and, and going down to ground zero, going down to the crime scene, I can tell you that, in my opinion, that's what happened. And he, they fight. And, and again, he, he, as he shoots her, she, they're struggling still in the house. Now, she's also a CNA. She's a certified CNA. So she's able to stop the pressure. She's able to try to go get help. It looks like he stops her from that struggle. The entire house is covered with blood, from the bedroom to the oh kitchen to the living room. And, and then her body is staged, staged out in the backyard. And then when the police come, they say that he uh, was sleeping through all this and drunk. And it, it wasn't possible. There was also somebody else there that night. She takes a girlfriend who she aids, who is going through a bad situation herself, is going to be staying the night. And she winds up dying in 2007. Uh, to me, almost to be silenced. The family that this alleged killer is from, they have street names after them. They have campuses named after them. They have, you know, parks named after them. And ah. it's a very and and the, the and old the, prestige has protection. That's right. That's right. So here's a town. These people were able to tell the world. You know, when this happened, it was a suicide. There's no it's way. It's a suicide. suicide. <laughs> it's a suicide. Greek no chorus. Way the, yeah. <laughs> it's there's no a way suicide. The there's no way. There's no way. Just from viewing crime scene photos, there is no way you can tell right away that this is murder. This was staged. And, and then, in my opinion, people came five or six and, and cleaned up the crime scene, helped. You know, she, oh, she the cleaners did, came. Terrific. <laughs> the cleaners came. But she, did, she does things that nobody that movie, knows. Yeah. She leaves clues that we now have, important evidence that not even the police know that we have, that the families have. And that's crucial, that, that there were so many things. And here are these two parents, you know, 
the Turners and and their lives are are holed up basically. Oh hell yes! In a, in a in a back room with crime scene photos. This is what they live with every day. Finally, finally, there's a little bit of hope. They have a press conference because of what the medical examiner's not doing in the state of Oklahoma. The office is doing, and all these families come, and and then. You know, hey, let me let me interrupt you just for a moment so the audience gets a sense of perspective. You have this one, Shandra Turner, but she's not the only case in that county where there is a highly suspicious death that is ruled either accidental or suicide when the trained eye looks at it and goes, this is murder. Yeah, you, don't even need a, you don't need a trained eye for these kind of crimes. Not if there's oh, blood please, all over the house. Please, you know, you know, who, you know who Carmen Sandiego, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego can do a better investigative job, and that's a kid's film. <laughs> Howdy Doody could come out with his puppet and tell you the same thing. So um, she's not the only one. Then you have Sheila DeVine and Tom Horton and other people. You got Sheila DeVine in, in January 6th of 2004. She's, Don, she's going through all the stuff. Divorce. Then they're back and forth with issues of child custody, payments, who gets what child, you know, when the drop-off is. He's threatening her. She goes back. She gets an order of protection. And she's living on a... a acres of land where her parents are in a trailer, a nice trailer home with her two children and the, the father of this, this, these two children continues to you know, threaten her, continues to stalk her, continues to you know, be around all the time and then uses the courts to do the same thing and then she uh, tells a few people, I may not make it she was going to school, I may not, if I don't come back my husband's killed me that Tuesday morning, I think it was Tuesday morning, she drops off her children at 8 o'clock in the morning to school. She goes back to her home, and according again from being down there, two separate cars come. One allegedly is the ex-husband with the now current new wife and two other folks. Oh, good, with witnesses. There was witnesses. Well, somebody had seen this, but they didn't come forward because, again, you know, this wasn't investigated, not important enough. They go... And there, it's not possible. The fire was set in three places. Now, she looked like she she kicked for her life. Her bottom knee was shattered and busted um, She to, to fight off her attackers. They had put clothes out around her body. The accelerant that was used, um, again, was started in three different places in the way that her body was positioned. So you don't know if she was dead by that time or not, but the whole place was torched. And then what they do, Don, is... Of course, they want to preserve the car. The car is moved out of the carport, so it doesn't blow up. Well, a car is valuable. Right. I'm afraid right. to hear how they evaluated this. Well, it was accidental. Oh. And then a year, <laughs> year and a half later after a grand jury inquiry, it was ruled a homicide. But guess what? We don't have enough evidence, according to the lovely prosecutor out there, and the... Um, sheriff who's now not the sheriff it's very interesting to note that through these specific three cases that's why they were separated out of the medical examiner cases all three cases have a number of officers on the same scene from 2000 2004 and 2008 you've got the same officers Mm, seems on the scene merely a coincidence i'm sure now what happened to tom horton did he back into a butcher knife um not possible either uh, somebody from his immediate family was there. They had an argument. And the way that the gun is laid on the lap, now here's a high school teacher, 25 years, there's a building named after him. And he, um, they, the ME doesn't even see him. And, you know, it's kind of a buddy-up system that takes place. And they don't do anything. So wait, this uh, this guy, Tom uh, Tom Horton, I saw a photo of him. He was, he was shot? Yeah. And not possible the way the self-inflicted gunshot wound shows up in the information, the autopsy, in in, in the reports. Um, Doesn't match the reality? No, nor do the showcases on the floor. Oh, my God. And then the blood in the vents and the rug. Now, this is, I go there in 2010, you know, just a couple weeks ago, and this is in 2008, and it's still the, the way that you could tell somebody cleaned up some things. And then there's just still blood other places in the home. It's inconceivable that you can construe this as anything else as a murder with obvious motives. This is mind-boggling. 
I just don't understand how they can get away with this. They can get away with it because it's small town. They can get away with it because nobody's looking. They can get away with it because of money, of silencing of good, wonderful families. How you know, Here are just, just three. I'm, there's a lot more. Here are three families who are crying up and down, begging, begging for justice. Before I got there, the day before, the prosecutor said he wouldn't meet with me because there was no evidence and they weren't doing anything. Now, come on. You know, there was so much, based even on circumstantial um, evidence. And in the Sheila Davini case, this bozo was allowed two days later to take the crime scene, the trailer, and cut it up and dump it in the river. Oh, that's, you know, you don't want to have any evidence. No, no, no. But... But, and no one ever spoke to these families. No one ever did an investigation. It was just something, okay, forget it. It's not a big deal. And, you know, I had been doing a lot of work on the case before I went down there, and we had been taking these cases apart on various programs and, you know, really going through it almost like a trial. Susan, and, how, do, how do you get into this? Because you're such an expert on spousal abuse. Uh, time's up, these great books. What draws you into this case? It's, well, it's unsolved. It's it, intimate partner homicide. It's unsolved. So, so did, these, I, did these families contact you because they'd uh, heard you on the radio and this sort of thing? or because it, you? It was, it was because, yes, they had heard it on the radio, and we were doing a bunch of things on the ME's office in Oklahoma, um, and, and they contacted us. And then I, when Mrs. Davini was on, when Susan Davini was on, to talk just about the ME's case, I stopped her on the radio. I said, be quiet. I'm, I need to talk to you. Yeah. And I said, this is a murder. What, what are you telling the ME for? No, it's not ME. It's, I don't care about the ME stuff. I need to, t let's talk about your daughter's murder. you say ME, you mean medical examiner, just yes. to clarify. Yeah, and so we went through. I said, tell me about this guy. Tell me if she had these documents. And it was very interesting. What didn't burn was the briefcase that had the documents in them, which you couldn't find in a, a court file now because they disappeared so all everything that she did Sheila Davini was recorded and saved even though it wasn't in the court file and then the Bible wasn't burned it was just badly you know damaged a little bit it wasn't it was preserved and her mother kept that briefcase and had she not we wouldn't have seen the pattern of conduct there's a pattern of conduct in these specific cases in this one county that um, to me, lended itself, and I don't, don't kid yourself. I'm not a lawyer, but I have worked on these cases before. This is one of the first ones that I've made public. Well, I, 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 I got to gotta tell you, Susan, uh, the medical, <laughs> the statement that the medical examiner's office issued, I actually had to write down because I couldn't believe it in response to all this publicity. Let's, let's hear it. The office of the chief medical examiner takes all family concerns seriously and will gladly look at any new evidence that is given to us. Wow. Nice of them yeah. to shift the burden to you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but but you know, John, I, I learned how to do things differently, and so I I had uh, Homeland Security with me. I yeah, I was wondering, what about your own safety in this little haven of justice? <laughs> what was very interesting was that I had, um, I you know, I do the the Ross show now on Wednesday nights, which is a unsolved crime segment, and. She has an individual on there who does Homeland Security. He's a private investigator. His name is Don Hagman. And we were talking, and he said, you know, I want to help. I want to, you know, it sounds like this is very dangerous. And, you know, and then they saw the threats that I was getting. Yeah, where were these threats coming from, Susan? I, I love the one, you'll, you'll go home in a body bag. That's not your preferred method of transportation. No, it isn't. And that was after I had written a blog about the case on Time's Up blog. And talked about the case and then all of a sudden also from this little blog radio show that I was doing on intimate partner homicide we, we were able to get businessmen to put up $50,000 just from this radio show for a reward offering that's huge and so people don't think that anything that you guys do or anybody else does doesn't have weight it does that people are now seeing as well that these cases couldn't go on Nancy Grace or Jane Vidas Mitchell because we give them you we know, give them like, the missing child of the week. Yeah. Oh, well, that you're talking about that poor little girl, yeah. Zahara. Yeah. yeah. 
But so uh, it, it, they're not going to do that that case because that's not uh, you know water cooler crime. That's not the stuff that's going on right now that they can all speculate yeah. on. Did you no, actually so receive over tr- threats? It was interesting how, how they were unique. But then they stopped when, you know, press is a wonderful thing. And when you come in with uh, Jane Mendoz is a lawyer. For people that are listening, they can go to www.justiceforthedead.com. And that has just an ama- amazing amount of cases, not just these, but other ones. And what they're trying to do is reform the Oklahoma Medical Examiner's Office. And she has been instrumental. The Turners went to her and said, we want to do something. You know, you defend death penalty. Help us put this together to reform this office. And in the process, like I said, all of them were looking to reform the medical examiner's office. I was looking at murders. Yeah. 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 And on top of it, I get the sense that you may be looking at the tip of the iceberg as to what's been going on in this county for many years. It, it, It is really scary. There's a place called Hilltop Mountain, which... You know, I'm, I, it's not a nice place to go, and there's no cell phone activity up there. And, and and it's it's you do have to be careful. Again, it is a nice place. You know, the families that I was with were wonderful, um, but nobody had ever heard of this when Shonda Turner's case had come out. They didn't know that she was murdered. They had forgotten about her, or they said it was a suicide. It was not a suicide. She was bruised. These families in the Turner case, they took photos of their daughter's bruised hands and body. And the video of that is on the justiceforthedead.com under Turner. Wow. You can watch the video of her in the casket. And, and then in 2009, a, a doctor um, performs an autopsy. He loses his job. He's, he's, ruling, he's about to rule it a homicide. He then gets fired. Now, have you found that fellow and talked to him? I, I actually had uh, an evening with him one night when I was down there. And... Was he forthcoming? I'm surprised if he talked. Well, we were talking as far as what had happened. He told me these things, and the family knew it. But he's also in a lawsuit because of the firing from his job. He's firing. He's suing them. Yes. Mm -hmm. That may give him the opportunity of exposing what's going on. I I, I would hope that that would happen. But in, in the meantime, you know, in the state of Oklahoma, you can't do anything, or the prosecutor won't do anything, on to prosecute a case unless you know the ME changes the death certificate. Well, you know Sheila Divinity. Wow, that's like a catch twenty two. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so what do you do, Don? You, I, I call the most brilliant minds around the country, and I, I figured out how to skin a cat the other way. And that meant when I was down there, I was on the phone with a lot of people, and I said, "Tell me, this is what I have. Tell me what this is." And I went to each crime scene. I spent time with each family. I went. And, and, you know, you get a different sense of things. And other eyes on a case, I don't care how old it is, to me is solvable. Fresh eyes will see new things. That's yeah. right. And, and so... I think you're um, going to have to get in the federal system if you're going to have any kind of sense of justice here. Thank you, sir. It's already done. Yeah. <laughs> Did you really? Oh, she's yeah. on top of it, Don. Okay. Yeah, no, no. I mean, so what happened was... <laughs> so what happened uh, was... i got to get up pretty early in the morning to beat her to that curling iron, I'll tell you. <laughs> do they make those anymore? Oh, yeah, they still um, do. <laughs> Um, no, it wasn't. It was what happened was when they they told me I needed to build the framework for this, and I did. And we went back and forth. Do you have a break coming up? No, no, that's someone's cell phone going off, and they're desperately seeking to turn it off. How rude! <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll beat we, him later. <laughs> we um, when I got all of that, I actually left a couple of days earlier because the information was groundbreaking, and the people that came forth with evidence and information, even from ten years before was groundbreaking. The statements on video. Uh, we used the EA, the evidence abuse affidavit from the Times Up book on a lot of them. Uh-huh. Because it it preserved the information. Plus, I had had a lot of the people call in for, for, on a blog talk radio show, so we also had it preserved in that as well. And um, on the because of the pattern of conduct, because you can show corruption, that the only thing that would change, in my opinion, the medical examiner's office, whether they did change the death certificates or not, is that you have to apply a special prosecutor. Now, there's a new sheriff there. As of November 2nd, the former sheriff is no longer in power, which mm. was a big deal. Yeah, and and Mr. Turner had called me that night when the election results had come in because there's a new sheriff in town, and I I couldn't believe it. I, I was, and, and it was all the groundwork of everybody. You know, it was, it was the constant being out there 
you know, it helps to be in heels and hose and, and my hair flying and, and running like the wind. Yeah. Um, but I was with the people. I went to the O'Brien's Auto Parts store, which everybody goes to. We took photos with the people in there. I went to um, Ace Hardware. I went to um, Lowe's. I went. To, I was in the community. We went to Bob's pig place. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, tell you what, while, while you recount your menu, uh, we're going to take a 60-second break. When we come back, we'll hear more details about this and organ harvesting for fun and profit uh, right after this on True Crime Uncensored. plastic pony in front of Albertsons, you are no longer tied to your computer. You are now free to roam while Barstow's burning and take Outlaw Radio with you everywhere you go. Grab an Outlaw Radio iPhone application, the smoking, drinking, interrupting 24-hour party that you follow now follows you. Your iPhone is now the easiest way to stay connected with your friends at Outlaw Radio. Change the way you listen to the radio seven days a week. Now available in the iTunes App Store. There are some things in life that just don't go together. But listen to this. You take one drop-dead gorgeous woman. You add an incredibly wealthy, handsome man. You put them together. They have all the money, clothes, jewels, drugs, alcohol they could possibly want. Well, then you throw in a Glock 9mm handgun. It's all good fun until someone gets killed. Fatal Beauty, the shocking true story of beautiful Rhonda Glover, who put 13 bullets from a Glock 9mm into her boyfriend of 15 years, Jimmy Jost. Oh, she said he was abusive. The friend said he was passive. Either way, he was dead. Fatal Beauty, available January 2011 from Pinnacle True Crime by Burl Bear, living legend, true crime author, and trust me, he's brilliant, I know it, because I am Burl Bear, author of Fatal Beauty. And now, back to True Crimes with Burl Bear and Don Waldman. And, uh... Every week, or every day, for that matter, you can go to outlawcrime.com and find out who our exciting guests are and get links to uh, true crime sites. And uh, there's a player there with our past shows, if you missed any of them. And uh, we always keep you informed on what's going on. And we have Susan Murphy-Milano, who is always a pleasure to have on the show. Uh, boy, she's a dangerous woman. I'm always afraid, Susan, that if you and I wind up in the same room at the same time, there'll be spontaneous combustion. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we've talked about that. I, I think it would be all right. You know, our, our wavelength pattern on our, on our opinions pretty much run the same way. I don't know if that's scary or not, but they do. <laughs> Now, I mentioned this organ harvesting because I saw that fly by in one of the articles or one of our conversations. Were there some organs being grabbed here, too? Oh, well, no. Yeah. Well, it seems that in the other cases, uh, Curtis Prescott and, and some other families that, again, stamp suicide. And, and, Don, you know, if you saw these photos, if you saw there's no way that any of these individuals murdered themselves, it's not possible. It, it just, it, it isn't. And, and I don't know if the Emmy was drinking or if, you know, the officers just, they don't have enough training. Um, it, no, this, this reeks of a conspiracy. There's more than one office involved here. Okay. Yeah, it's Rogers County. Or, no, that's not Rogers County. I think that's Oklahoma City. That one's Oklahoma City on Prescott. Um, and what happened was, you know, they didn't do their job. And the person responsible, again, is walking around, just like on the Garvin County Three cases. They're walking around free guys. And, and what I have said since day one, for sure, the Garvin County Three, the people that are involved, I hope you enjoy this Thanksgiving and Christmas, guys, cause, and I know you're listening, and I hope you <laughs> enjoy it, because this is going to be one of your last, if not the second to the last that you well, will have. Well, just because you got homicides that are ruled to be suicides, murders That's that right. are accidental deaths, autopsies that are not given or ignored, and evidence and there's is no buried, there's no there's, reason to be concerned. No, so here here in, in the medical examiner's office, the pathologist was just fired, a second assistant pathologist. It turns out he worked for some organ harvest facility and he also was he was fired only for the drugs he was taken off the dead patients or oh. in their homes mm. that and, but and not for taking their precious bodily organs without a release 
That's right. That's right. And then so families were getting bodies returned without organs in them. One woman, and I think she, I'm pretty sure she was at the press conference with us, and I don't recall her name, her son is returned eight and a half months later. Oh, that's that same, Jeremy Lamb situation. Yeah, same condition. A stench, a stink. How dare they do that to a family? Well, they said How that the refrigeration they? failed a few times during oh, the seven months. If I could swear, I would. But, you know. <laughs> you can. You can. This is the Internet. I, I know it is. But, you know, I got fined the other day for that on somebody's show. So that doesn't work for me. Um, it, it was bad. It was. To do this to these families, to say that. When it's it's critical, they don't want to spend the money. They're too lazy, and in a lot of counties, they don't realize what or it's called cleat, and you have to have X amount of hours. In the state of Oklahoma, there's Norvell uh, Thompson is the father of Ashley Dawn Thompson. Now she was murdered in 2004. Murdered, beautiful girl, going to be a model. 15 years old, guys. Mm. Domestic violence situation. She sees this boyfriend, 18 years old. It's New Year's Day, and. He's the only one that sees this. He allegedly takes the body out of the closet, says she's hanging. Now, mind you, the shoes are perfect order. The clothes are in perfect order. He killed her. Um, there's blood coming from her fingernails. Her fingernails are pulled back. The equipment to go to the hospital or to, to go to the morgue, you know, on the EKG and the, the heart equipment, doesn't work. And so nobody pronounces this young girl dead. Now, the father is in law enforcement 41 years. He's a chief of police. What? In a bigger county, yes, in another county. He's he, he's scratching his head, figuring out, trying to figure out what's going on. And and the one alleged officer that shows up, you know, it's New Year's Day. So they're all still kind of recuperating. They don't, they, and they take the body and, and do different things with it. Normal crime scene folks would not do this. And... But first no. of all, you don't even move the body or touch until the body. Complete until it. I mean, it's not like TV where you always see him bringing the body out right away in a body bag. You don't no. want to move that body until you have to. You want to keep that crime scene as pristine as humanly possible. Oh, contaminated as all get out, bro. And you know what these idiots did into is the person that was responsible. You know, the mother didn't want anybody drinking. The mother's a nurse, and again, he, he was the chief of police. Didn't want anybody drinking. She said, here, go stay over here. He had to climb over to get in there. He comes downstairs and says, I think there's something wrong. Police don't do anything. They, they have him in the squad car for a few minutes. That's it. What nobody realizes is that seven months before, in another state, the same thing happens, and the parents are now saying that their daughter, at the same age, did not kill herself, that she was murdered. She's got two young girls. Now this guy is in prison. Uh, for other rape charges and things. Can you imagine if they had done their jobs right on the first case seven months before, nobody would, would be doing this. And in the crime scene photos, here's this girl, she's at the morgue. They take her back and forth like more than once, right? And the funeral home sends her back and brings her back. Well, when there's another photo taken, her hand is holding, tightly gripping the gurney. What? Yeah. Gripping oh the gurney. Oh so what God. does that tell you right there? She this wasn't is, dead. This is it, beyond a horror story. That's right. So this is the state of Oklahoma. Oh a my God, horror just story. My skin's crawling after that. Uh, I'm never going to go down horrifying. Route 66 again. I'll tell you that. That's unbelievable. That is a horrifying story. And, and it's a truth. These are these are people's lives. These are what these people have been living with with for every day. You know, this is again. And I, I I've not been part of anything but the Garvin County Three. I've been highlighting these other cases as much as I can. Um, there's another young woman, Rivera Hill, same thing. She was thrown out of a car by the boyfriend. It ruled a suicide. Two girls, same <laughs> ages. You've got to go look at the justiceforthedead.com site. And here's one woman behind it, one lawyer, Jay Mendoz, who's going out there holding accountable a system that is clearly beyond broken. And they don't have any accreditation. In 2009, the medical examiner's office lost their accreditation. Can't imagine why. So this, all these families, one by one by one, in an event that I went to, people drove 10, 12 hours to come and, and meet me and, and to give me photos of family members that had died, to give me files, to say, help me. This is horrific. And what I'm hoping to do is that if there is a special prosecutor in there, then that removes, even though that there's a new sheriff, I have nothing against a new sheriff, but, but that could what? be a play, a play, placation, or whatever you call it. But you still have the the uh, the investigator who works for 
the prosecutor's office in Garvin County, he was on all three crime scenes. All three. So that right there shows, you know... He's got to get... recuse that guy or whatever you call it and bring in uh, somebody else. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so... And then the crime scene logs in all these cases, the information. You know, Sheila DeVinney was burned to death. Again, the burn pattern, the the the... the the trailer, how did, and people say that they, how did he get there before the firemen? How did her ex-husband get on the grounds before the firemen? And move he the was, car. We got well, yeah, to save that car. To hurry up, he was there to hurry up and turn off the gas, guys. The, the, the heat or the gas on the trailer. Who does that? Who does that? I'm just amazed this hasn't gone more mainstream. This I'm be, working on it. This <laughs> should be all over the place. I know. And and and, it, and and there are some people that, you know, everybody's working on this. On the 16th, on the Capitol steps of Oklahoma, they're going to be having, you know, a rally to reform this office. I know there's hearings coming up in February of 2011 for the medical examiner's office. They're doing as much as they can. And, yes, people are appalled. But can you imagine in this state, does this, you know, to, to go on somewhere else? I mean, these are people. Oh, it must go on in several other places. Wow. And you know what? I, I don't even want to think about it. And you know what else, Susan? And I'm sure you've, you've thought about this. Is you have to think the way they think. Put yourself in their position. If your job was to cover their ass, what would you do? How would you appear? There's, there's a couple ways of going. Either they can go, all right, there's something wrong here. Let's fix it. Or they're going to say, how can we spin this? This is beyond a good old boy system. Way beyond. It, and legally, the the pattern of conduct, the corruption, that's what's going to happen out there. That's what's going to make this into the, to me, nationally. I mean, this is a terrible thing to have to hold up a light to one state where these medical examiners, there was a guy that was up for the position a couple of months ago. He's carting a, a, a body in the back of his pickup truck. <laughs> you know, um, I, mean, you I know, don't want to laugh, but I've never heard of anything like this. <laughs> <laughs> what, are the, what are your chances of getting a special prosecutor on this? Uh-huh, 99.5%. I would think. Look at what you've got. <laughs> the oh. scope is mind-boggling. <laughs> but I had good people around me, Don. I mean, I've had yeah. people from the, around the country that have really, you know, I'm not a lawyer, thank God. No, <laughs> Never no, a well, but, like but, blessing. No, but you're sure as good as most of the investigators I've ever dealt with. Well, well and, and, it, and it, it's also, you know, to put together these cases, to paint the picture, you know, there's there's a new way to look at this. There's all I'm doing is is putting together the most important component of the cases beyond the prosecutors and beyond the law enforcement that don't do this for families of victims of crime, unsolved murders, not so much missing persons, but unsolved crimes where I can see it and then put it together. And I'm now doing it. You know, you had Sandra Brown on last week. I'm doing some of this through the institute in Brevard, North Carolina so that I can do the workup on the cases, so that I can get it out there and then formulate what needs to happen step by step. It's a lot of work. Yeah, you've got the groundwork of one hell of a book once you can get beyond uh, the accused aspect of these people. Well, you know, I... I well, I was going to have Burl write it. No, God bless you. <laughs> now, my mind, however, keeps going back to ways around this. I keep trying to put myself in their position. What kind of legal maneuvering... Yeah, I, I want to hear this we one. Well, you know, we, we, had, we were discussing uh, just the other, a uh, few weeks ago, the case where the fellow had been executed for a crime that he looks like he didn't do. Whoops. And there's DNA evidence now, and the family wanted, can we have a DNA test done to show whether or not he was unjustly executed? And the answer was no, because according to the law, the accused has to request it. And being as the accused is dead, he can't request it, therefore you can't have it. Well, maybe I should, Don, maybe you and I should think about this, because I just knocked out Crawford versus Washington with the affidavit and abuse affidavit in, in the Time's Up where the accused before had the right to say, you know, I need to face my accuser and and somebody brought a case up in California, Giles, I believe in 2008 in front of Justice Scalia and it broadened the scope of the hearsay and he said, you know, this this will hurt abused victims because the, the amendment says, you know, I have the right to face the person that's accusing me so maybe we need to 
turn this inside out like somebody's underwear and, and make it into something. Really? Well, I mean, it's just so pervasive. It's not like the, uh, you know, I used to see in the Perry Mason shows, at the last minute, someone would come into the courtroom and go, wait, I did it, or whatever it is, right? And they go, oh, okay. Uh, but in reality, this happened, a case I'm familiar with in the state of Washington, where someone happened to be in the courtroom where someone was about to be convicted and was convicted, falsely accused, and went, wait, that wasn't them. I, you know, it, it, wait. Ann Rule has a new book out, Rhonda Reynolds. She was a police officer. She was murdered. I want to say it was in 1999 in Walla Walla, Washington. And this new book is out. And she, the mother has been fighting to get the Emmy to change the death certificate. She was murdered. Crime scene photos show it. Um, again, I don't know where we have an accountability across the country where we can secure that in a place that when people do have issues and, and you know it's not something and it is another thing, maybe... You know, it's, it, it doesn't always have to be intimate partner homicide. In this case, I believe it was. Everybody got shut down on the Ronda Reynolds case. I'm seeing these more and more and more. And the public has to be aware that when they happen, they shouldn't, you know, when families, like, when I got to Oklahoma, people were turning their backs on these families. They were almost spitting on their shoes. And, and then over time, just over a couple of days, they started saying they were sorry. They started apologizing to them for treating them that way. They started believing and seeing, and it took somebody to come in from the outside to do that, to say, here, you know, that's the tragedy of it, that it, it took somebody to say, this is what, and present the facts. I presented the facts while I was there all week. Each case, I hit it as hard as I could when somebody asked me something, and then the, I was speaking at a church on a Sunday evening. I was, I was brought in to do this this conference, and the day before, two politicians called the pastor and said, if Susan Murphy Milano comes on the diet tomorrow night, we will pull your 501c3 if she says one, if she says anybody's name, meaning anybody that was running for sheriff or anybody politically or the families. Oh. No. Who does that? Who does that? And how do they get kicked out of this? You have to hold it, Susan. we got to take a 60-second break. So hold hold the thought. Hold the thought. We'll be right back on True Crime Uncensored. If you own an iPhone or ride a plastic pony in front of Albertsons, you are no longer tied to your computer. You are now free to roam while Barstow's burning and take Outlaw Radio with you everywhere you go. Grab an Outlaw Radio iPhone application, the smoking, drinking, interrupting 24-hour party that you follow now follows you. Your iPhone is now the easiest way to stay connected with your friends at Outlaw Radio. Change the way you listen to the radio seven days a week. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Barbara Opal promised her 14-year-old daughter a brand-new dirt bike if she'd murder her employer. You know that. It's my book, Mom Said Kill. The kid didn't get the dirt bike. Well, guess what? The book is now available as a digital download from Barnes & Noble. Mom Said Kill by Burl Bear, the new digital edition. And you know what? Even in the digital edition... The kid still doesn't get the dirt bike. Mom said kill by me, Burl Bear, and I love me to pieces. Yes, of course. Burl Bear. I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Oh, thank you, Sir Roger Moore, who turned, what, to 84, whatever it was last month? He's looking pretty good. I am the legendary Burl Bear. That's Don Waldman in the lawyer chair on the phone. Susan Murphy Milano. I said, hold that thought, Susan. She was going to give a talk in a church, and she got a, they, they got phone calls saying, well, you know, under the uh, nonprofits well, you can't. Know, you, know, uh, you, know, you know why also? Because they thought that, you know, these idiots didn't realize that October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So I was also doing things to promote safety so another woman didn't die. And that's what part of the lectures were. And they thought that Time's Up was for them. They didn't realize that that was my book. That's really funny. <laughs> so, that is I mean, funny. they were jumping up and down and barking up the wrong tree. Um, you know, for what? 
And, and <laughs> you know, again, you know, in the Shonda Turner case, 23 years old, she purposely was murdered. They could have saved her life, and, and we wouldn't be talking about this. Had they called the police instead of him calling his parents and four other relatives to the house to clean up, mop up, move the body, make it look like something that it wasn't, stage the damn thing, which is what they did. It is not possible. They put gun residue on her, her hands. Again, in the, in, 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 in the casket, she is bruised. She, her body is beaten. You know, and, and she suffers an, a non-life-threatening injury that could have been attended to. It took us six minutes, and this was not speeding, because I would have probably got the ticket. Yes, they would have locked six, her up for years for that, too. Oh, please. It took us six minutes from the home, which we couldn't get into because it was not theirs to the hospital and, and going to the second sign on the road, not the first one. It was six minutes to the hospital. We timed everything that night. She did not kill herself. And this is really the case for all of the families, along with the ones that have been ruled suicide in all the other counties in the state of Oklahoma. Once one came, they've all come. And every day there's a new one, Don and Burl, a new one. That a family member comes in every day. The lawyer has to find time to put up another case of a, a situation that smells beyond bad every day. Yeah, I mean, the scope of a federal civil rights trial is it's just unbelievably large. I mean, you're just covering, it sounds like the whole state is upside down. Well, and, and, and you would have thought that, the, to me, I had said this as well, this, to me this reminded me of civil rights. I, that's what I that's felt. That's the angle I was going to go, because as we mentioned on, on the show before... That's uh, where they usually do go. Is Yeah, you, you go and you, you launch a civil rights violation case against the city, which carries insurance for this, or the county that carries insurance. They better carry a lot. Well, so that one case in Walla Walla, the guy got $7 million just for a drug frame. Yeah, so it could be a civil rights case because they have insurance for that? That would make more sense, Don? Yeah, yeah, but on top of look at all the plaintiffs you've got. It's almost a class, class action, action suit. It's a class action suit. I didn't, I, you know what? I didn't even think about that. That's one way. One, a lot of people don't stop and consider that they have the right to sue the city, sue the county, sue the state on these civil rights violations, uh, civil suits, whatever. It doesn't occur to them. Uh, but they, they, well, they worry about the expense. They figure they can't afford to get involved. Oh, in but this. they'll get some hotshot attorneys going to take a nice 25, 35% of it uh, off the top of it's a slam dunk. And uh, and the interesting thing is I've talked to law 40%. What are you talking okay, about? Okay, I'm being, I'm not giving the attorney their due. I've had law enforcement personnel tell me who have done bizarre things that they shouldn't have. You go, yeah, they, uh, they sued the city, but, uh, you know, that's not my business. It has nothing to do with my job. I let the city take care of that. I just keep go do what I do. Well, what I can't understand in, in Garvin County is why the prosecutor refuses to meet with the families, why the ME's office refuses, why Mr. Trent... They're afraid of liability. Oh, please. If they would have done their goddamn job to begin with, you know, <laughs> these people have been walking around day in and day out. They live and breathe these children, their family members, their lives, and these other families. It's got to stop. It is beyond. I mean, I, th this is not fit for... I'm at a loss for words because it, it just, it's upsetting to me. Well, Susan, that, the, 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 the medical examiner who reclassified a homicide and then got fired is very reminiscent of, uh, in, in my book, uh, Headshot, where the psychiatrist who had always examined uh, this particular patient was suddenly pulled off the case and a new non-certified fellow who had never met the fellow before meets with him for 20 minutes and immediately declares him competent to stand trial. When they got the first guy up on the stand and said, why why weren't you the, the doctor to handle this? He said, you'll have to ask the prosecutor. He's the one who arranged to have me pulled off. These things can come out, you know. But in all these cases, you know, it, it didn't have to be that way. And it's not just the ME, it's, it's the first responding officers that were on. It's the ones that covered up for the other ones. It's the ones that fired and, and put other weapons there or shell casings to make it look like something else. It, wh why do that? Why go to that extent? And again, if you go back to the Turner case, in my opinion, the family, the, the, the money that's behind this, the legal, the power that's behind this, this, I know it goes on across the country, but this girl did not deserve to die. So you really have three intimate partner homicides. One in the Horton case, again, he's a teacher. There's no way, and he had his problems. 
and his issues, as we all do, but he did not kill himself. It's not, you don't kill yourself down in Berlin and, and then have a gun laying in the lap as though you're shooting Jed Clampett for an episode <laughs> on a commercial. It doesn't work that way. I mean, that's kind of be, I know, you know, yeah. disrespectful. But and, and, you know, there's another aspect of this, and that is, what about autopsies that are not performed? In most of the cases, they were not. There you go. Or they didn't so now you got no hand. evidence to use. That's right. Or they didn't bag the hands, or they didn't bag the weapons, or that, that was not even the weapon that was fired. That's like or, the Martin Luther King or, case, or, wrong weapon. Or, or here, you've, and then you've got two other murders, in my opinion. You've got Heather Aldridge, whose family came to me when I was in Oklahoma with the photos. She was a, a top swimmer. She dies, and, you know, it's like Drew Peterson reenacted with, this is what happened to my wife, let's go look for her. Um, she is found, I, I believe, there was never an autopsy, she was found in the water, but in my opinion, she, she died drowned. on land. Yeah. Yeah. Champion she swimmer, she right. drowned. She drowned. She drowned. Yeah. And she was at the house that night in, in the Turner case. She was there. She was She was there. And, you know. So suddenly you have a, a witness who is a champion swimmer who mysteriously drowns. That's right. And then in 1991, somebody else is murdered that's associated with the Divini case where Sheila sees it, where it's somebody that Sheila used to see, they go out with. And, and she watches and witnesses the person who, in my opinion, perhaps married her, I'm not really sure, allegedly, um, marries, marries this guy and, and knows about this murder. And, you know, and this is an unsolved cold case. In, uh, it's about 50 miles away from, uh, it's at the Army base, it's from, from Garvin County. Um, we went up there to do that and look at that. You know, that's another case. So you really have these three murders, you've got five. And maybe there's more. Yeah, it sounds like a lot more. Well, if I were these guys, I would be in heavy consultation like every day and every time oh, you're They've already off. loaded up. Yeah, they've I mean, these guys up. are going to load up every possible way of shutting you down, blocking it down, finding a legal reason why this evidence isn't uh, admissible. That's why you get a special prosecutor. That's why you That's move the only that way out you can of the way. That's can't. the only way you can do it. But again, Don, I'm not that smart. I again, I go to the experts in the field across the country. I make. I'm, no, I'm, Speaking I'm, of I'm, experts in the field, Brent Turvey. Now you probably know that name very well. Brent is an expert on staged crime scenes, and he wrote an entire uh, what do you call it? Uh, Article, thesis, ex big long explanation on how to spot uh, faked crime scenes. Well, but you don't have to be an expert to spot these Not the crime one with scenes. the blood all over. But I'm just saying, in terms, of if you want to bring in uh, you know more experts to address these issues, Brent, someone you might want to hook up with. And, and that would be great. But my job, my role in this was to highlight it and to get it open, and so justice is served. And and I, I, I'm sure that there's a lot more that I could do, but. There's so many other cases and families, and like I said, we're doing it now through the Institute in Brevard, and, and you know, people can reach me at murphymilano at gmail.com. Hey, what do you do for a living? Dawn and I were wondering about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you make money? I, I lecture, <laughs> and I teach safe relationships, and I teach the end of the partner homicide, and I do the evidence abuse affidavit. I teach for first responders how to do their jobs a little bit better, prosecutors, so my workshops, and, and that pays for this. But like I said, now we're going to be minimally charging through the Institute to do this so that I can do all the work for it um, and, and get the information and paint the framework or create the framework and the pattern of conduct in, in cases such as these. Well, aren't you working on one now? Is it New Jersey or someplace? Uh... Uh, she, I do that. She's a police officer's wife. I wrote a blog on Time's Up, blogspot.blog.com, where um, she would have been killed and... Uh, in New Jersey, married 12 and a half years. Her husband's brother is lieutenant on the force. Uh, tried to kill her a few times. He's got bullets, actually, with her name and the two children's name on it. He pulls them out every once in a while. Oh, that's <laughs> nice and yeah, sensitive. Yeah. 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 The police wouldn't respond. They wouldn't do anything. She sent letters to everybody, you know, down up to the governor. Please help me. Just like Kathleen Savio did. Drew Peterson. Yeah, I was just thinking three. about Drew Peterson. Exactly. And she did the same thing, and then she gets a hold of me, and immediately what we do is we do, we do the evidence abuse affidavit, we do the video, we do other things. She gathers other information and evidence, and I didn't realize that she had court the next morning, and she said that they were handing out my blog like it was a, a pass to something um, in the courthouse. <laughs> and then Get in free. Was, 
It was the first time that the prosecutor had ever acknowledged her in court. That because of that blog, because of the blog I wrote on it, they and I said not one hair on this woman's head is going to be touched. And I and I said I'm going to out names, badge numbers. I've got documentation and I've got some evidence now because she she had sent it to me. And you know this guy is angry and now he's been caught because of it. That morning, I think it was, it was last week, the guns were not returned. But you still have to be careful. In my opinion, he's trying to do something to one of the children. He's been calling the school. Now, we had her do a, a letter and have the school sign it. Um, and again, this is in the Time's Up book, so that if anybody calls, they're not to answer, because she's got an order of protection. Although it's civil, it still says in there where the child are, who the permanent person is, and that there's supervised visitation. Also, what we had to do, again, very important, OnStar. He's a cop. He's going to call and say the car's been stolen, or where is it? They're just trying to track it he'll be able to find out where she's at. So yesterday, again, we had documentation sent with a temporary order to OnStar to say that if anybody calls or if you get any kind of a phone call from a police station, it isn't legitimate. And that we're to, to learn of that right away. Um, you know, the texting has stopped. The following somewhat has stopped because she's changed her schedule up. She's done things to stay safe. But she said her name 10 days ago on a show because she said, I'm not going to be in fear anymore. I'm not going to hide. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to die this way. And what the evidence abuse affidavit does as well is it gives people another option that if something happens to them, they will, somebody will know. It won't be like Josh Powell, who's still free, um, after murdering his wife, in my opinion, in, in Utah, who's, she's been gone since December 6, 2009, that in this article that was done in the Salt Lake Tribune, Utah, last weekend, um, it was, you know, he basically says, I'm going to chew you up like, she's going to be chewed up like hamburger if she returns. The father also says and talks about his daughter-in-law as being promiscuous. This woman's dead, and she was probably eaten up by wolves out in, in the desert somewhere. You know, this, these people have to stop getting away with it, and part of it is the evidence abuse affidavit and, and the book time's up. That's what you're going to do to stop these things, and people have to get it, they have to get it out there, and they have to use it. Well, thank you once again, Susan Murphy Milano. You are enlightening and very upsettingly so. Yeah, make sure you uh, look underneath your car before you start it. See if there's any greasy handprints on the hood. And damn it, keep it up. <laughs> I will. And you know what? I'll send you some hair. I'm going to get it cut off a little bit so you can get a toupee, bro. Oh, good. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> a toupee. Yeah, I, I love you both. Hair, thank hair you. club for men. Thank you. <laughs> so All right, long, bye -bye. Susan. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, get a toupee. That's amazing. We were just watching today. A big uh, infomercial for Hair Club for Men. Oh, I've lost all desire for lunch, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Could be worse. Magic, Matt Allen, and the Demons of Decadence, unfortunately, minus me, i got to fly off to another damn funeral. People have got to stop dying. This is ridiculous. Yeah, you're dangerous to hang around. <laughs> I know. That's not my fault. Really. <laughs> but Howard Lapidus will be here for Howard's portion, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, come on, baby. Oh. Yep. I know how to make a career-killing move. All i got to do is go on. Outlaw Radio. Ooh. Had a job, new in town.